and welcome to Mac Bites, episode 158. I'm Elaine Charles, and I'm here with my co-host Mike Thomas. In this episode, we're most definitely not promoting private pandemic parties, like certain others in With 2020 Hindsight Quarter 4, part four of the MacBytes Review of the Year for 2020. Into October, and the party's over. You're wondering, aren't you? Apple were to stop selling third-party headphones and speakers. What could it mean? Well, a strong signal that Apple have new hardware in the same space, incoming very shortly. The very next day, another month and another Apple event. As with recent events, this one had its own hashtag icon on Twitter. Isn't it interesting how Twitter give Apple preferential treatment? Just saying. And then the rumours started. Oh, there's only so many rumours that you can take. On the same day as the event was announced, though, oh dear, Apple let their feelings be known. Apple announced it strongly disagreed with the conclusions reached in the report of the House Judiciary Committee in respect to Apple. Well, what were those conclusions? That tech companies are the kinds of monopoly last seen in the era of oil barons and railroad tycoons. <laughs> no wonder Apple weren't happy. Let's just say that. But it got worse. As if being accused of acting like oil barons and railroad tycoons wasn't bad enough, ProtonMail can top that with more mudslinging. ProtonMail compared Apple to the mafia. We kid you not. Apple's dispute with Hey wasn't the first time that they tried to force an email app into adding an in-app purchase. A claim made by ProtonMail CEO Andy Yen said that ProtonMail had been in the App Store since 2016. But in 2018, he claimed that they were forced to add an in-app purchase. Prior to that, they did have a paid-for service, but it wasn't available within the app directly. So, quote, For the first two years we were in the App Store, that was fine, no issues there, he says. But a common practice we see, as you start getting more significant uptake in uploads and downloads, they start looking at your situation more carefully. And then, as any good mafia extortion goes, they come to shake you down for some money. <laughs> Couldn't really get much worse, could it? Anyway, he said that ProtonMail complied in order to save its business, complaining that there was no way to get a fair hearing, that was a quote, with Apple. ProtonMail was unable to update the app for a month-long period and Apple threatened to remove the app from the store if the company didn't comply with their request. So, back to Andy Yen. They are the judge, jury and executioner on their platform. You can take it or leave it. You can't get any sort of fair hearing to determine whether it's justifiable or not justifiable. Anything they say goes. I think that's possibly one of the worst things I've ever heard about Apple. Uh, maybe you remember different. If so, let me know. In MacBytes After Hours at 97, Biggles got its personal bartender. This is because the old version of bartender doesn't work with Biggles. It requires a whole new build and a workflow for taking and managing screenshots as well. I, I do recall this was when young Jonathan was astounded at my ability to pull from the archives some screenshots from 10 years earlier. Either I'm incredibly organised or I'm a hoarder the like of which we have never seen before. 
Not prepared to go any further with that one. Anyway, on the 13th of October, it was the great day of the Apple event. High speed. It was the expected iPhone announcement event. Due to COVID, yet again, it was pre-recorded videos. Four models were announced, the iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 Pro and the iPhone 12 Pro Max, all with 5G. But they did not ship with a pair of headphones in the box, nor will they ship with a charger. Although luckily they have actually left the phone in the box and a cable. Guess what? Another Apple event where the credit card stayed in the freezer. Following the great event, we had more analysis, this time about what Apple didn't announce. Speculation was abounding that there's going to be a third autumn Apple event. We could get used to this, you know. While we were pondering that, Adobe Max 2020 happened as an online event. The biggest news was probably the release of Adobe Illustrator for iPad. Were we thrilled? Hmm. Well, considering that they'd sunsetted Adobe Illustrator Draw, it was a good job that they released the real deal. But whether it'll prove to be the real deal was a completely different matter. Given that we already had Affinity Designer, would it be worth switching to Adobe Illustrator from Affinity Designer? Hmm. No, not for me. Not for me. Now, as if Apple weren't making enough money, they were looking for a tax break. Honestly, Timmy. Bloomberg were reporting that Apple had lobbied officials from the Treasury Department, Congress and the White House on tax issues that included tax credits for domestic semiconductor production. How much money do they need? A case of you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, as they say. That's the less accusatory version anyway. And just what we needed, more speculation, or to be precise, another sighting of the lesser spotted air tags. Not in real life, obviously. Rather, in two patent applications. For release sometime never the way it was going back in October 2020. It was heading towards the end of the month. It was a Friday. Apple released a support document. Mm, that's a euphemism for, whoops, we did it again. This time... If you keep your iPhone in a leather case while charging with Apple's new MagSafe charger, the case might show circular imprints from the contact with the accessory. So, Casegate was born. At least we had the quarterly earnings call to keep our minds off that. All together now, a best quarter ever. Well, Actually, it was a little more complicated than that this time, given the COVID situation. But, you know, you get the general idea. We, however, at MacBytes had the last comment for October because it was our 100th show, 100 episodes of MacBytes After Hours. Title of which, Pitching a Perfect 100 Not Out. Oh, we had fun with that one. A new presentation service caught my eye, Pitch.com. If it was good then, it's much better now. But uh, I need to work local. I can't put my presentations in the cloud and work on them. It would drive me insane. That was only half the story, though, because along with that, we had several ways to fix the new Evernote 10. Yes, Evernote 10. It's hard to think it's been out as long as it has, and it's still no better than it was at the beginning. 
They have brought out so many updates. They update virtually every two weeks. And I have had audio files in there going back to 2013. Will they play? No. Will they play in the original Evernote? Yes, absolutely fine. The new 10? Not a chance. And I've waited all this time and they still won't play. Evernote's looking like a thing of the past. Good job there's the legacy version to actually access your notes, isn't it? Anyway, that was October. And so we headed into November. What's the worst that could happen? Well, on the 5th, one minute past midnight and England went back into a national lockdown. Oh, how did we ever notice the difference? But since the US count was still going on, the lockdown passed without much comment on the news. How much worse could it get? Well, falling squarely into the category, if you couldn't make this up, we have news of privacy nutrition labels appearing in an app store near you very soon. Apple's bringing forward their requirement that app developers provide transparent privacy information for their apps. It was Craig who likened the new privacy info panels to food nutrition labels, but for privacy. I have to question the practical use of these labels. I might object to the sugar in a chocolate bar, but I can't remove it and consume the rest. That's called having your cake and eating it, literally. So if I object to a single point, my only redress is just not using the app then. Oh, how useful. So if we're relating these privacy labels to nutrition labels, I'll be honest, I never actually look at nutrition labels on food. Something that's low fat is probably riddled with something else anyway. So it's unlikely that I'll look at these privacy labels in the same way I don't always read the release notes. Having said that, you've got me into some good practice habits of doing just that. But back to the privacy labels. If I need to use an app, I need to use it. What's to say the app wasn't already collecting my private data? And if it's part of my workflow, I'm not going to suddenly stop using it because the developer has come out and officially said it collects this data and that data about me. It was probably already collecting that data anyway. We were taken back in time in MacBytes After Hours 101 since we were unceremoniously cut off in our prime yet again. It had been 11 months since the last debacle, but it comes back to you as clear as day. Unfortunately, we lost connectivity just as we were unboxing a 14 terabyte hard drive. I think that was what broke the internet. Oh, well, never mind. By the 10th, we were having another Apple event. One more thing. This was three keynotes in three months. It was a 50 minute pre-record. And it was to announce the MacBook Air 13 inch, the MacBook Pro and Mac Mini, all of which were the first kit to have the new M1 chip powering them. Of more significance to those not buying was the announcement that Biggles would land in only two days time on the 12th of November. On the 12th of November, the great day arrived. We decided we were prepared to sacrifice the 2018 MacBook Air in the cause of installing Biggles on day one. If only it had ended there. You might have managed to forget the complete fiasco of the Biggles launch. And if so, do enjoy the retelling from the safety of hindsight. The short version is Apple's servers melted. No, literally melted. 
The initial download estimates of 20 minutes were soon replaced with predictions of 18 days. Yes, days. As if that wasn't bad enough, Apple's verification servers went the same way as those hosting the Biggles installer, which I might speculate could possibly have been 486s from the early 90s. By some inexcusable idiocy on Apple's part, that meant that nobody could run any of their notarised by Apple apps. It was like tech Armageddon. If we thought the Lion launch day was bad, this was on another level. Not wanting to sacrifice anything, I experienced it vicariously from the other side of the office. That was a very, very wise move. I'm sure you learnt lots of new expletives, though, because that's my recollection of it. While I was struggling with that, they managed to sneak out an update to iWork. Surely this could only bring excitement at MacBytes headquarters. Well, you'd think so. But then we saw the new icons. Hit with the ugly stick is an understatement. Definitely a case of what were Apple thinking. You know my feelings on icons. I've said it over and over again. You could have the best looking icon in the world, but the app itself is boring and useless. Or you could have an app that works perfectly and is fun to use, but has an ugly icon. Here's an analogy. I've never met Craig, but imagine he's the most boring person in the world. Does the fact that he's a looker, not my words by the way, but the ooh, whenever his name is mentioned, seems to make that the general consensus, does that make up for it? See what I'm saying? But seriously, how often do you actually look at an icon anyway? I bring up Alfred, type the first couple of characters of the app name, and press enter. So consequently, I never see it. Oh, I'm totally the opposite, Mike. The icon is really important. It, it, oh, oh, hang on. It frames the narrative for my expectations of the app. Oh, actually, then these were bang on, weren't they? Because once I'd seen the icons, the app had to be an improvement, no matter how bad it was or how many features were missing. Now, I do like a pretty icon. I have been known, when it was possible, to change the icon for an app if I objected to it on a kind of fundamental level. Seriously, I have. And you mentioned Craig. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I know we go, ooh. But it's more about charisma than looks, I think. And he doesn't really have much competition in the charisma department at Apple, does he? Not these days in presentations. As the cast of thousands waft past you, they could all be cardboard cutouts, apart from Craig, who has a bit of personality. That's what makes the difference. Now, just when you thought the world couldn't get any stranger, an iOS game, Plague, yes, I really did just say Plague, was updated with a new game mode called Plague Inc. The Cure. It was designed to let players work to stop a pandemic from spreading across the globe. Yes, mm, November 2020. There was no information on whether Boris was one of the high scorers, but to be honest, probably not. Another day and another support document from Apple. That's usually a cause for concern. But this time, though, it brought good news. Good news for the owners of the new HomePod Mini. Apple state their new tech toy won't leave white rings on waxed or oil-dried surfaces. You might wonder why they'd bother telling us that. I know I did. But that would be because the original HomePods did just that. And it looks like Apple had learned a lesson. 
heading off trouble at the pass before they'd even released the hardware. The very next day, which happened to be a Friday, Friday the 13th no less, we had MacBytes after hours 102. It was an Affinity Publisher special, printing, typography and a calendar creation kit. But we also need to mention that this show marked the end of an era. Friday the 13th no less. Keynote ate my slides for the last time. It really was a case of three strikes and you're out. The following week, MacBytes After Hours 103, cleverly titled Hell Has Officially Frozen Over. As we said, following that third and final slide-eating incident, my love affair with Keynote had officially ended and this show was the first show where I'd used PowerPoint to create the slides. I'm quite proud of the fact I managed to switch within a week. Given how many slides I create and all of the nuanced things I expect it to do. Anyway, it worked well. It's a shame that Manchester United couldn't say the same thing. When we didn't receive our digital programme, this, this was a thing during lockdown. Instead of paying, I'm not kidding you, over £5 for a programme, they would send you a digital one. But it didn't arrive. Therefore, something was amiss at Old Trafford. It turned out to be a cyber attack that managed to shut down the entire email system and many other systems inside the club. We figured it wouldn't take them long to be back up and running, but time proved otherwise. It took them way longer than it should have done. We, however, were waiting for Black Friday deals from Apple before deciding how we were going to purchase our impending iMacs. There was up to £150 off qualifying kit announced at midnight in the UK as we headed into Black Friday. The trouble was qualifying kit. This is an interesting term, isn't it? Qualifying kit was bordering on fossilisation. Seriously, you needed to carbon date some of it. One shining example, a 21 and a half inch iMac that was literally breathing its last. So we didn't bother. I know you're shocked, aren't you? But you probably remember that we did have incoming kit. That was because what we decided to do was take the business discount instead. We were hopeful the Black Friday deal would be better than the business discount, but seeing as though it was appalling, we went for the business discount. And in the small hours of Black Friday, we placed an order for two iMacs. More on that when they arrived. Now, while we're all comfortable with tech, the same can't be said of everyone. Having said that, it does happen to everyone, but it's so much more satisfying when it happens to Boris in the House of Commons. Yes, it was that dreaded moment when your lips are moving, but no one can hear you. <laughs> Not that that's generally a bad thing, given it was Boris. But the Speaker of the House, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, was a scream trying to let Boris know that we couldn't actually hear a word. I'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> My abiding memory is the speaker saying, are you on mute, Prime Minister? Prime Minister, are you on mute? <laughs> Can you imagine if he'd have said no, I was just winding you up. But no, he really was on mute. Oh, some people shouldn't be let loose with the tech. Talking of not letting people loose with the tech. On the 24th, there was a spreadsheet disaster. 1,500 COVID deaths, that's 21% of all COVID-related deaths in October at that stage, were linked to a spreadsheet error. 125,000 additional infections were linked to the same error. And who got the blame? Excel. 
Yes, the old adage of a bad workman blaming their tools comes to mind. I'll put my Excel head on here and explain the problem. The data was exported from a system as an XLS file. That's the old style Excel format, and an XLS worksheet has 65,536 rows. Whereas a worksheet in an XLSX file, which has been the standard format since 2007, has 1,048,576 rows. Then we had Amazon winding us up. Amazon Sidewalk caused much consternation in the UK. And the feature isn't even available in the UK. That didn't stop Amazon sending mails to UK users, trumpeting the feature though. Sidewalk shares your Wi-Fi to random folks walking past your house. The default is to opt you in. Are they insane? Something like that should surely default to opt you out. Amazon apologised for the confusion. Mm, confusion. More like highway robbery of customers' bandwidth. Dear, dear me. The United hacking fiasco continued apace. They did confirm that no fan data was compromised, so we can rest easy about our credit cards, allegedly. But it rumbled on, not just days, weeks. We carried on regardless, though, and it was Matt Bites After Hours at 104, where Kim made the legendary quote, and it became the title of the show, that Matt Bites Advent is better than chocolate. Oh, you can't say much is better than chocolate, can you? But there you go. What we did in the show was a behind-the-scenes look at all of the apps and workflows that we used to create the MacBytes Advent calendar. Then, just to round off the month, in true Apple style, there was a $12 million fine for Apple from the Italian antitrust watchdog. This time, it's related to their marketing in the country and claims of water resistance for the iPhone. Inflated claims of water resistance, according to the Italian watchdog. It's a good job Apple are minted, isn't it? And just when Apple thought the month was over and nothing else could go wrong, it did. The Apple One 30-day trials came to an end. And instead of continuing as a paid service, they became marked as expired for users. Worse still, some users were charged for all of the component services separately. Oh, way to go, Apple. Not been the most auspicious of months, has it now? December started with some alarming news as far as we were concerned. Apple took the opportunity of the new month to share details of the last order dates for Christmas delivery. Summarised, they were, if it wasn't already on order, you'd be lucky to see it before 2021. It seems the time they need to deliver anything gets longer every year, to be honest. So much for supply chain management and logistic organisation. Wasn't that Timmy's superpower? Hmm, that must have been a while ago. On the 3rd, we had news that Hillary and Chelsea Clinton were to host an Apple TV Plus docuseries called Gutsy Women. To be honest, when we think of gutsy women, we can't say the pampered Princess Hillary and Chelsea Clinton immediately spring to mind. Seems Apple think otherwise, though as they've gifted them free reign with a series based on their book, The Book of Gutsy Women, Favourite Stories of Courage and Resilience. Apparently, it will feature a diverse cast of trailblazing women. Now, if we'd seen or heard of this again since December 2020, we'd be doing well. But 
We haven't. I'm surprised Timmy hasn't lined you up as a guest. You'd fit the bill perfectly. You know, Mac bites and so does Elaine. Just saying. On the 3rd, Mac bites 134 was released. Biggles Niggles and the Hungarian Keyboard. Ah, you're wondering. There's never a kit buying episode that doesn't bring with it some element of jeopardy. This time round was no different. Mike almost ended up having to invest in a course in Hungarian to use the keyboard that he almost ordered. Yes, it really was a Hungarian one. I can't leave him with anything. Apple did something right. I know you're surprised, aren't you? Make a note of the date. 4th of December 2020. We finally had family sharing for in-app purchases. (gasps) Yeah. From the category of About Time, in-app purchases can now be shared with family sharing. A glaring omission finally rectified. I noticed that this sharing only applies to non-consumable in-app purchases. I had no idea what that meant either. I'm not at all sure I've been exposed to this before. Non-consumable in-app purchases. In simple terms, it means not game coins then. How do I know there's coins in games? No idea. Let's move swiftly along. On the first Friday in December, there was much excitement. The Eagles have landed. The incoming tech toys were here. Way, way faster than anticipated by over a week. He must have heard me talking about supply chain constraints. Anyway, they were here. We shared the love in the show. And remember those privacy labels? They were rolled out early. Developers could add the required information. And the plan was they'll inform users about what data third-party apps can access, including location, photos and contacts. Each app will have its own privacy report in the App Store, so you can check it all. So good, they brought it forward. Nope, still not feeling the love. But never mind, it's probably me. Oh, and then as we headed into the second week in December, just in time for Christmas, AirPods Max, new wireless over-ear headphones were finally officially announced. With the key features of high fidelity audio, adaptive EQ, active noise cancellation and spatial audio, priced at only, yes, that's sarcasm, $549. They shipped in five colours, space grey, silver, sky blue, Green and, sadly, pink. Now, if you recall the great Prosser prediction of $349, he was a mile out. A royal mile out. Salutary lesson here. When a price leaks, however reasonable you think it is, complain vehemently. Lest Apple stick on another $200 when they announce the final price because nobody complained about the rumoured price. The orders were open from the time of the announcement, with shipping from the 15th of December. But it wasn't long before they were completely sold out. The prodigious pricing continued apace when the prices of the replacement pads and the AppleCare were announced. The AppleCare being $59 and $79 for replacement pads both of which individually cost more than our headphones at Markbytes headquarters. But given the price of the ones we buy, it means we can just replace them with a brand new pair instead of buying the bits, a bit like an Airfix kit, to fix the ones that you needed a mortgage for. When I think about big headphones, I think about the players getting off the team bus. I'm talking football, obviously. 
Quite often Sky or whoever's covering the game will have a camera at the player's entrance and you see the players getting off the bus. As well as a Louis Vuitton, if that's how you say it, toiletry bag in one hand, and they're about £500, you know, they'll be wearing a big pair of headphones. And then there was Michael Carrick, the assistant manager, who became the temporary manager between Ollie going and Ralph coming. Whenever the camera panned over to the subs bench, he'd be there with AirPods in his ears. Actually, they weren't AirPods because they had cables. But I'm just waiting to see Ralph jumping up and down on the touchline, wearing a pair of AirPod Max. I always wondered about the players wearing headphones, but apparently it's so they can't hear any questions from journalists or insults from fans. And when I looked at it that way, I thought, hmm, that makes total sense. They're in their zone. So they're actually serving a purpose beyond just listening to the music. It's a sad day, isn't it, when, it, when it's come to that. A couple of days later, and it was announced that Apple had come to their collective census, with working from home extended till at least June 2021. To be honest, it was the least they could do. Their employees shifted to home working with literally no notice and no choice. There was no consideration given to the impact that that might have had on their lives, especially people homeschooling at the same time. Apple can and should be making it as easy as possible for employees to continue to work in ways and the locations best suited to them for the foreseeable. Instead of which, there have up to this point in December 2020 been declarations, mandates and orders. Not cool, Apple. Your people got you through a pandemic at a profit. Be flexible and understanding, not a dogmatic dictator. And like Timmy doesn't have enough jobs already, I've lost count, to be honest. He managed to bag himself a starring role at the Climate Ambition Summit 2020. On a Saturday, though, so shouldn't mean Timmy needs any more time off from his myriad other extracurricular activities. At least this one was virtual. Unlike most of the others where world leaders were flying in to tell us to do what they say and not what they do. On the same day, though, there was a sun setting. If only Timmy put as much effort into keeping his apps going as he does global issues. This time it was the Music Memos app. It was reaching end of life from the 1st of March 2021. Users were directed to the standard Memos app. Which makes you wonder, why did you need two in the first place if you've already got one that can do the job of both? I must stop being logical. Initially, the Music Memos app was released in 2016 and had had no more than a handful of updates since then. Why do they do that? Now you see, it's reminded me of iBooks Author and I'm going off on one. We were heading through December with another MacBytes After Hours, the title of which was Lola on the Naughty Step, but surely not. She's a little angel. We've got no recollection of what mischief she must have been up to. And then Siri got an update. <laughs> As if Siri didn't have enough to do this time of year. Bearing in mind we were 10 days off Christmas. Apple proudly proclaimed you'd soon be able to ask Siri to play sounds of animals, vehicles and more. My recollection of the whole thing is MacBite Siri was not pleased. <laughs> Could have been worse though because there was a story of an iPhone 6 surviving a fall from a plane. Magbyte Siri would not be pleased if I tried that, you know, just as an experiment. No, I think he'd rather play the animal sounds. And before we knew it, the AirPod Max were in the wild. Actually, you know, AirPods Max. I think I preferred AirPod Studio, which they would probably have been called, but for Prosser announcing it. Hmm. Now, when I say they were in the wild, they were if you were quick off the mark. 
If you ordered straight away, you may have been lucky enough to get them on release day. If you weren't, there's a 14 week back order delay. Luckily, if you were close enough to raid a local Apple store, many claimed to have stock. I wonder if you got to choose your colour. I wonder what the most popular colour was. If, if anybody says pink, I will not be pleased. So it was the usual launch day fast for an Apple product then. As if that wasn't bad enough, there was then news from the epic battle. The latest in the epic Apple battle is that both Timmy and Craig were going to be summoned to testify. Apple agreed to make Timmy a document custodian. Makes him sound like a filing clerk. It'll rumble on forever if the lawyers have their way. In MacBytes After Hours, oh, the Super Lamb Banana Road again. Seriously, the Super Lamb Banana is a real thing. We did not make this up. We're using it to refer to an Excel feature, but the Super Lamb Banana really is a thing. Crazier than the Super Lamb Banana, Steve Wozniak's prototypes sold for $630 million. Just proving the fact that older Macs are better. These were schematics for a prototype Apple II. So that was $630 million for that. A functional Apple II was sold at the same auction for $737 million. It makes me wonder what our garage full of broken Apple kit could be worth if we fixed it. Mm, I shall ponder that one. By the 20th, the festive shutdown happened. Apple stores the world over were closing again as the Covid rates multiplied. So it was online shopping all round then. Christmas seems to be the silly season for some of these Apple stories, including Elon Musk stating he once offered to sell Tesla to Apple for a tenth of its value. Doubtless in the next breath, he claimed to be a great businessman. Timmy refused to take the meeting. The latest rumours are that production will start on the Apple car in 2024. We'll all have personal drones by then. Folks have been droning on about the Apple car for years and years. On Christmas Eve, we had our usual MacBytes After Hours. Twas the night before Christmas party. Oh, it was fantastic. The show was two minutes short of four hours, which meant we got to wish each other Happy Christmas as the clock struck midnight. Christmas Day, we had a gift for you. Oh, we did. It was MacBytes 135, Mystic Meg and the Magic MacBytes Maths for Muggles. You can see I've not been at the eggnog. It provided you with sage advice to justify a tech purchase to a muggle. Still worth a listen, that. Uh, it was how I got, I think it was at least one iMac, possibly two for free. It was all to do with the price of the memory. They tried to sneak something past me on the 29th. I have talked about this for years. Adaptive keyboard displays. With each key being able to display different identifiers. Cheaper for Apple to ship with a single model internationally and have all the keyboard interpretation done virtually. Also, perfect for showing custom keyboard shortcuts and so much more. It seems Timmy has come round to my way of thinking, proving yet again his best ideas come straight from MacBytes. There was still time for a silly story, though. Apple finished the year on a high, not sarcasm alert again. How did an app promoting private pandemic parties ever get through review? Well, it did. The app in question was called Vibe Together. There's a dodgy name if ever we heard one. 
Clandestine Covid parties with two hours notice at a secret address. It's like the raves of the 90s in the UK all over again. And now Apple are attempting to cover themselves in glory by removing it from the App Store. Head desk. We'd be more impressed if they didn't get themselves into these messes in the first place. Seriously, who reviewed that? What did they think it was? On what basis did they allow it into the store after that initial review? Get a grip of yourselves, Apple. Found within the encryption technology section of the Brexit trade deal agreement were references to Netscape Communicator and Mozilla Mail. In the document, these two services were described as being modern services. The document also recommends using 1024-bit RSA encryption and the SHA-1 hashing algorithm, which are both outdated and vulnerable to cyber attacks. Experts believe officials must have copied and pasted chunks of text from old legislation into the document. Several people have suggested the words were copied from a 2008 EU law, which includes the same text. It's clear that something is amiss in the drafting of this treaty, and we go so far as to venture the opinion that a tired civil servant simply cut and pasted from a late 1990 security document, Newsite Hackaday commented. There really are no words. Given by December 2020, it was over four and a half years since the referendum. It had taken them all that time to agree this thing. It makes you wonder if anybody had actually read it. Boris was waving it all over the TV as if it were the Holy Grail. A most unedifying sight. But as you say, there are simply no words for this level of incompetence. <laughs> Rounded the year off nicely though, didn't it? What a story. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes as we bring the curtain down on our With 2020 Hindsight review of 2020. We do hope that you've enjoyed it. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to thecrew at macbytes.co.uk or use the contact form on the website. We also have a very active Slack chat room that's open 24-7. Simply go to macbytes.co.uk slash slack and join the conversation. You can follow MacBytes on Twitter, twitter.com slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash thomas mike and you can follow me at twitter.com slash macbytesiri so until next time this has been elena mike bringing you macbytes goodbye goodbye and see you next time <laughs> <laughs>